It's already the 28th of September, heading into October. When we come back on Monday, it's going to be October already, the second day of October. Man, September just zipped by, didn't it? It uh, hard to believe uh, that we're already into October, but man, the leaves have changed. And like I said yesterday, there's a chance. It's, it's, it's just a chance, and you don't want to get carried away by a long-term forecast because it's subject to change. Um, but uh, there's hints that we might see, could see, possibly, maybe see a little snow next weekend. That's not going to stick. It's not going to last, I hope. Knock on wood. Um, but uh, we could see some flurries. I think they're talking about sort of Friday night into Saturday morning. It's going to be pretty cold this weekend, though. I think overnight lows in Edmonton and Calgary are going to be flirting with three or four heading into the weekend, too. So uh, that's that time of year. I don't think anybody is too uh, surprised by it. But uh, we'll see what happens. Like I say, once you get past, I think, three or four days, the accuracy of a forecast is generally expected to drop off drastically. And by the time you're into a seven-day forecast, you're 50-50. So we'll see what happens. But something to keep in mind. Um, and what impact, I mean, I think a lot of people will be very pleased to see winter arrive in earnest because uh, for a lot of people, summer, spring, so far in the fall, it hasn't been easy. This wildfire season in 2023 across Canada, as you know, You've heard many times, um, the worst on record, right? In the province, in the country, you name it, by almost any measure you can think of. Um, six firefighters killed, dozens if not hundreds of homes were lost, 17.5 million hectares burned so far. It all started back in May in our province. We had the first of multiple evacuations. Eventually, tens of thousands of people were forced from their homes. And it's not over yet. Um, just last weekend, another small community in northern Alberta had to be evacuated. So if this year's still not in the books, is it too early to think about next year? Probably not. Uh, I think the expectation is uh, we're going to see more wildfire seasons like this. Hopefully not this bad, but we need to be preparing for that. So let's find out, you know, what can we expect? Is it too early? What do we know so far? We're going to speak with Greg Flato, who's a senior research scientist with Environment Canada. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for being here today. I do appreciate your time. My pleasure. You know, before we get into next year, let's let's spend just a minute on this year, because by any measure, it was incredibly extreme when it comes to wildfire activity. There's no doubt. I mean, we all saw these pictures. We all know what happened. Why? What were the factors that, that drove us to that point, Greg? Well, it's always, uh, you know, a mixture of things. Uh, for, and it starts even back to the previous fall. So the previous fall was dry in a lot of places. Uh, that kind of persisted over winter. You know, when it's dry in the fall, then, you know, the, the winter accumulation of snow starts later, the amount of water in the ground, the moisture in the ground is, is low to begin with. And starting early in the spring, we had, as you mentioned in the, in the lead off there, uh, we had a very warm summer, uh, warm start to this, to the summer, warm start to the spring, uh, in many parts of Canada. And that led to early snow melt. And then it was, unusually yeah. warm and dry for most of Canada over most of the summer. Yeah, and we all know what it led to. But like you say, I mean, the wildfire season started already in a precarious position. So is is it too early? Like you're talking about what happened in the fall. You're talking about snow melt. I mean, is it too early to start looking ahead to next year? How much can we predict what might be on the way? Well, it's, you know, the, the we do run at the at Environment Canada, the Meteorological Service of Canada runs a, uh, a seasonal to interannual prediction system, which makes predictions of temperature and, and precipitation 
out to 12 months in advance. But of course, stretching out to 12 months in advance is a you know, it's, it's stretching the predictability that yeah. we have. We're much more confident in, in next month's prediction or yep. next season's prediction. But the, the general tendency, which is also reflected in our decadal climate predictions, is for uh, warm conditions, above average warm conditions, for the next uh, couple of years. And that's uh, exacerbated by the fact that we now have now transitioned from the cool La Nina phase to the warm El Nino phase of uh, the, the the Southern Oscillation in the tropical Pacific, and that has ramifications for weather and, and climate here in Canada. So the the expectation would be uh, another warm summer, but the details of that and the actual predictions, you know, will come later on in the winter when we have more skillful seasonal predictions to be able to communicate that makes sense i i wanted to ask you you mentioned um el nino and la nina and, and those factors that we sort of have okay this is going to be one of those years and we sort of have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do if i remember correctly this has been an el nino year um so what are the effects of that phenomenon that's warmer water in the pacific that was part of a contributing factor to what we saw right well, it's not not particularly. Okay. Um, so it is the case that we have transitioned during the summer from from neutral to to El Nino, the warm phase of the Enso cycle. But there's there's two things. First of all, that transition only occurred during the summer. It wasn't uh, you know we were still in neutral conditions back in the in the spring and and the first uh, statement that we had moved into the El Nino phase came in in about June or July, uh, which means we just crept above the threshold for being able to declare it an El Nino period. So it wasn't a strong, you know, it's now a well-developed El Nino, but in the summer it was just beginning to emerge. The other thing is that for Canada, uh, particularly, the the response or the, the manifestation of El Nino is is not very strong in the summer. It's it's stronger in the winter time. So it's okay. more of a, a winter time influence for us here in Canada. Any of those kind of semi predictable factors that are in place for next year that we sort of know? Okay, this is a you know a cyclical thing. This is something that happens. Sometimes we know the effect. Is there any of those kinds of factors that uh, will adjust the way you think about next year, or is it going to be just a, a typical year? Well, the, the, certainly the the state of the tropical Pacific has a big influence on conditions in Canada and conditions globally. It's it's the the biggest uh, source of of internal variability in the climate system. So it it is a big deal, and it you know where the tropical Pacific goes, much of the world goes yeah. in different ways depending on where you are. So it is certainly a source of of the. The, of our ability to make predictions at longer than weather time scales. You know, we can only predict weather, even even theoretically, weather prediction skill uh, declines to to basically zero after about two weeks. So the actual, and by weather prediction, we mean predicting whether it's going to rain or be sunny or you know those kind of weather elements uh, on a specific day. You know, we can do that out to about two weeks. Right. Uh, but for longer time scales, we can only make predictions about 
the averages of those kind of conditions. So on the seasonal time scale, monthly and seasonal and longer time scales, we can say things about whether the month average will be warmer or cooler or wetter or drier, those kind of things. And it's it's that uh, longer term uh, ability that is affected by the by variability in the tropical Pacific. You know, regardless, and, and like you say, there's always going to be some built-in variability and uncertainty, but we, we know it could potentially be another really, really tough wildfire season. What can we, you know, what have we learned? If we've learned nothing from this year, then we've really, you know, made a mess of things. So what have we learned and what can we do better next time around? Can we start planning that, Greg? Well, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, we will certainly be uh, looking at providing earlier and more, uh, you know, more regular uh, information. I mean, we, we provide these forecasts uh Every month, these, these seasonal forecasts, the Meteorological Pre- uh, Service provides, uh, you know, daily, weekly uh, weather forecasts every day. We do that all the time. But, you know, making those seasonal information, th- those seasonal predictions more, uh, you know, more visible to, to people, yeah. I think, is something that we can do to get, you know, provide advance warning. Of course, people have to recognize that these are are predictions of average conditions over a long time. And so depending exactly where you are and exactly how things roll out, it may not be, uh, you know, there's there's a certain limit to the skill of those, but it it allows people to at least prepare for the, you know, the worst possible case, which is what what we need to do. So I think we will definitely be uh, providing even more uh, you know, outreach on those those kind of products, and and as people saw from this year, you know, a, a warm, dry summer can lead to to very extreme fire weather conditions, which then lead to to lots of fires, yeah. and poor air quality, and all of the ramifications of that. Massive, massive ramifications, as we all saw. Greg, uh, great insight. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time.